This is episode 355, Grieving the Sudden Loss of a Parent with Sarah. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you again so much for listening. As a reminder, every Wednesday, I drop a coaching session. They are all new episodes of me coaching one of the fabulous people from our community. So you get to listen to a live coaching intervention session. And then every Saturday, I air an interview or me on another podcast or me just talking. And those have been a little bit on repeat since I went on maternity leave, but I do plan to get up to date with those probably in July. I'm taking a little bit longer than I planned on to get back to working even close to as many hours as I was, because I'm just really enjoying this precious time with my daughter. And she's changing so fast. She's three and a half months now. And we had our first trip and we went to San Diego. I shared about that last week in the podcast and Steph ended up getting sick and had to stay in San Diego. And so I flew home alone (laughs) with my baby, which was such an initiation into motherhood because I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do all the luggage, the stroller, the the feeding, the everything. And she's been going through a little bit of a breastfeeding strike. So I've had to bring all my pumping stuff to make sure I had all that. And is she going to suck on takeoff and landing and all this kind of stuff? And for some reason, she didn't sleep very well in San Diego. I don't know if she was overstimulated by the ocean and the sun and all that kind of stuff. But I was on no sleep and it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And I'm sharing this story because, well, I'm not even done with the story, but I'm sharing this story because I know a lot of you have things in your life that you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And you have a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety about it. And then you have anxiety about the anxiety because you're like, I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to manifest all this terrible stuff because I'm scared about it. I need to change my attitude. And yes and no. So I was definitely stressed about traveling alone with the baby and all the things. And I definitely wasn't like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to nail this. It's going to be amazing. But I did put it out to the universe of like, I'd like as many human angels as possible to show up and to help me. And I know I can still be a little stressed out and still be a little worried. And I still can create a good experience. So I got to the airport and Immediately as I went through security, there was a guy behind me because we go through security with the baby in a stroller. You have to break down the whole stroller, take the baby out. It's the whole thing. The guy behind me was like, here, let me help you with the stroller. He broke it down for me. I'm like, you must be a dad. And he helped me through security, reassembled it. I get to the gate. There's another couple there that helps me disassemble the stroller, helps me put a scene in the carrier. They push the stroller down for me. Then I sit down in my seat and stuff was supposed to be sitting next to me. But Instead, who was sitting next to me? A female pediatrician who loves babies, even crying babies. So Doreen Athena's two meltdowns on the plane. She was there to help. She held her when I went to the bathroom. She was super helpful. I had some pediatrician questions and she answered those. And it ended up still being a little bit stressful, but beautiful at the same time. And so I want to offer you that. I think a lot of you put too much pressure on yourself when it comes to I have to be a certain way in order to have a good experience. And I want to offer you that you still can be a little nervous about something. You can still feel a little overwhelmed about something. You can still feel a little stressed about something and have a beautiful experience. Just set the intention that you will be supported that, Hey, I'm feeling a little stressed out. 
I would like support. And I think that's part of the reason I attracted the support that I did because I didn't, I didn't look frazzled or anything, but people could see I was juggling three bags, <laughs> like a diaper bag, my bag and all my pumping bag, a carrier for her and a stroller. And I wasn't nailing it. <laughs> I was a little clunky and people could see that. And that's okay. Like I allowed myself to be a little messy. So let yourself be messy. Let yourself be supported. Don't think you have to have this Zen attitude in order to have a more Zen experience. Call out for the help that you need. Both ask people for support and energetically be open to it as well. Because whenever someone asks me, hey, do you need some help? I said, yes. And how many times have people asked you, hey, do you need some help? And you say, no, I got it. How about enough of the no, I got it? How about, yes, I would love to receive some assistance. Thank you. Could you get it? Could I have done yesterday all by myself? Yes. Would it have been a hell of a lot harder? Yes. So next time you are about to say, no, I got it. I want you to zip it and instead say, yes, I would love that support. Right now on to our topic for today. Speaking of support, our caller, Sarah, recently lost her father rather unexpectedly and not the way that she planned to have him transition. And she is just moving through some grief and even some resistance to some grief by hanging on to an idea of how she wanted his death to go. And one of the things we talk about is her receiving more support and not thinking she needs to do it all on her own, which is a pattern. So as you're listening to this call, consider, did something recently happen that didn't go the way that you planned or wanted it to happen and you're having a hard time accepting it? Have you recently lost a parent or anyone close to you? Or are you anticipating the loss of a parent soon? Do you attempt to control and plan and systemize and strategize things when you feel helpless or when you feel like you don't know what to do? And finally, are you afraid of grief because you're afraid it's a pit you're going to fall into and never be able to get out? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thanks so much. So my dad was chronically ill for years. He had, he was diagnosed with emphysema in 2011. And in the last year, he started to be on oxygen, fully dependent. And I just sort of knew that his time was getting short. And so we were preparing for that. He'd been in and out of the hospital. I was advocating for him and we got him some good home care and I was thinking I was going to have this, you know, amount of time. I was looking forward to spending his last birthday with him. What I thought was going to be his last birthday when in the middle of the night, he had a heart issue and died suddenly, mm. like really mm. unexpectedly. Mm. Mm. And of course, I'm sad that my dad died, but I feel even more sad that I had this, this vision of this way that he was going to die and it was going to be this like sit by his bed, hold his hand, peaceful. Like we all knew that he, his, he was, his health was deteriorating, but this heart thing in the middle of the night when my mom called me and it was so sudden and shocking just feels like kind of had the rug pulled out from under yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Anything too much, too fast, too soon is trauma. And so not only are you dealing with the, the grief, but the way it happened was shocking to your system because yeah. I think the reality of our parents dying is something we all, we all know it's going to happen. I mean, that's the right order of things, right? You, mm -hmm. Any parent wants to die before their child. And as it gets closer, it's really difficult to deal with. And the fact that 
you sort of knew it was coming is good in the sense that you could really savor the time and you could make preparations for it. But for lack of a better word, bad in the sense is it was just this looming thing that you knew was inevitable. And whenever we have that, that looming feeling of like something's coming, we know it's coming. We don't exactly know when, but it's close. We grasp onto anything that makes us feel like we have some sense of control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that wanting it to be a certain way was just one of the ways you were preparing for grief. And so I want to ask you, is that a pattern? Like when things get hard, do you go to, how do I control this? How do I create a system for this? How do I, (laughs) (laughs) that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I take it that laugh may be a yes. Yes. That's, that's definitely a yes. (laughs) Yeah. And Hey, that's a very productive coping strategy. Mm -hmm. Very productive. And it's, it's a coping strategy, right? It's a way to have control because when we're in fear, the thing that can help us most sometimes is feeling like we have some sense of control, but when it comes to someone's life, we don't. And it was on, on a soul level, it was his choice. Maybe the long peaceful death vision that you had in mind was a slow suffering death for him. Mm. Maybe the heart attack in the middle, it was heart attack or heart complication. I'm still not exactly sure. Okay. It was doesn't matter. Some cardiac thing. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't want to use the wrong words, but maybe the way he went was his choice. Maybe on some level, he just wanted it to be done. He didn't want it dragging out anymore. Yeah. And can you see on some level that that actually might've been better for him? I can. And I feel like I already saw that, but there's just this part of the grieving that I feel like he was so ripped away. It wasn't, you know? Yeah. 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 So how do you think that thought of he was so ripped away is actually getting in the way of your grieving? Maybe it's almost like I think of my, I think of my four-year-old kiddo and sort of having a tantrum like instead of when he's stomping his feet and he's mad because I'm not letting him do the thing instead of just feeling sad because he's disappointed about yeah. the thing. So yeah. instead he's mad at me. So I'm maybe I'm mad at the fact that it was so sudden instead of actually feeling the sadness that he's gone. I think that's very wise and very intuitive. And this is another attempt to control, right? Because that abyss of sadness can feel really scary when we go into that grief. It can feel like, how are we ever going to get out of this sea that we're swimming in? Right. And so by hanging on, whenever we can hang on to a thought or a belief, we don't really like feel deeply the feelings. It's it's a way to protect ourselves from really dropping into our heart and Mm -hmm. feeling feeling the pain. And I can feel the sadness in your voice. I know you're not repressing it or avoiding it or anything, but again, theme, I think you're managing it a little bit. I'm not going to use the word control because it's not so much that it's it's managing. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And I think I was even pre-grieving him because once I saw that he was oxygen dependent, I started to look things up and no doctors ever told us he only has this much to live or this long to live or he's dying or anything like that. I just intuitively knew that, Mm -hmm. that that was getting there. 
And so even in that, looking back now, when I was advocating for him and arguing with the doctors over medications and trying to get him the right care in place, like instead of allowing myself to feel sad that things were going the way they were, I was, that was my way of trying to control. And at least I felt like I was helping my dad live longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that was all acts of love. Mm-hmm. Yes. It might be a coping strategy to kind of control things and you were wanting to control it because you love him. Right. And so that's another thing to look at. And this is, I, I have to put my hand up to this one too. Are we controlling or try to manage other people or trying to manage other people in the name of love? Right. Versus just allowing them to have their own journey. And that's tricky as a child or as a parent. Where's the line between stepping in and advocating and doing things and allowing a person a child or a parent or whoever to have their own journey. Like how much do we intervene? And I don't have the answer for that, but the way that I check in is really asking myself, like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this? Because like, I truly believe that this person wants this too. And this actually is the best, or am I doing this because I want it to go the way I want it to go? Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And again, you did all of this because you love your dad. And sometimes we show love in different ways. And, you know, some people might show love by going over and cooking food and massaging someone's feet and doing things like that. And some people show love through more action. Some people show love through giving money. There's, there's different ways that we express depending on our relationship and how open our heart is, all of that kind of stuff. And I believe in every ounce of my being that your father knew that everything you were doing was because you loved him so much. Yeah. And part of the reason why he might have decided again on a soul level to leave when he did is maybe he actually saw how much pressure that was putting on you. Mm. Cause I, in talking to a few people who have been ill or have been close to death. And this is very limited amount of conversations I've had, but it's really stuck with me. One thing that has been said is they feel like a burden and they just want to take the pressure off the family members or trying to preserve their life or preserve their quality of life. Yeah. And so again, this might've been both him not wanting to suffer and him not wanting you to suffer either. And you might say, well, I'm suffering more because it didn't go the way I wanted, but he's your dad. And on some level, he knows better. Yeah. He would always say that about not wanting to be a burden. Like he wouldn't want to go to the hospital when he was sick because he didn't want to be a burden. There you go. Yeah. And so how you really honor him is honor the way that he went as well. Because as long as you see it as he was ripped away from you, and I completely understand and have empathy for that, that feeling that comes with that thought, I get it. And as long as you hold it like that, you can't really honor the way that he chose to go. You can't really honor that this man had a lot of integrity. He didn't like feeling like a burden. He probably felt some shame for his health because I think anybody, especially men, when physically they're not adept anymore, there's shame mm-hmm. there too. Yeah. And this could have been more dignifying to him than that slow kind of hospice way out 
where he just gets weaker and weaker and weaker. He would say, oh, I went and messed up my lungs because he smoked for 20 years. Yeah. So he did. He had that guilt and that feeling of I did this to myself. Yep. Yep. And so he was done. He was done feeling the burden. He was done feeling the guilt. He was done feeling the shame. And he wanted to go on his terms, not yours. Yeah. But I think if we could speak with him today, he'd probably say, I did this because I know in the long run, this way was better for everyone. And so you get to have your grief and part of that grief, maybe the anger, you know, you may need to get the anger out about the way he went and his choice and all that kind of stuff. But at least the anger, if you get it out through anger, it moves through versus just holding on to the thought and kind of looping in the thought. Because I know I'm right. miserable when I do that. When I think I've done something wrong or something went wrong and all I do is think about it and obsess about it. It's just, it's miserable. And I'm in my head. I'm not in my somatic body. I'm not in my feelings. Mm-hmm. So there might be, you know, if you have some time alone in the car, you can journal about it to get the anger and, you know, just so mad at you, dad, for the way you chose to go. I know it's your choice, but, oh, I wanted more time. You can get all that out. It's valid. Those feelings are valid. I'm not saying spiritually bypass to, oh, this is what he chose and this was the best, but watch yourself on obsessing on the thought that it should have been different. That's going to keep you stuck. What's coming up for you now? I was just thinking about how that guilt and shame and his even his fear of dying, like he hadn't accepted that he was dying. And I felt like I really wanted him to do that. Like I wanted him to have more peace Mm. while he was still alive in the body. Like Mm. I wanted him to have more, like, I don't know, more ease, less of that shame. Like there's this kind of sadness or this disappointment that I couldn't help him to like, you know, look through old pictures of like my account, like my therapist had recommended going and looking through old pictures to kind of as one way that helps people to cope with end of life. Mm-hmm. And this disappointment that I feel like I couldn't help him to, to do that while he was still here. And I hear you. And I know that he, he, mm-hmm. if he chose that and he's free of it all now. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's all done now. It was like the, but still there's something about that. Well, but my question is, how do you know you didn't, he might not have done mm-hmm. a total 180. But how Mm -hmm. do you know he didn't? How do you know you didn't make an impact with that? Yeah. Even just a little bit. Yeah. Because if he went fast like this, there had to be a part of him that got ready. And you Mm. might've helped with that. In fact, I think you did. Again, it might not have looked like the way you, and this is a huge, oh, I hate using this word, but lesson for you in this is Mm -hmm. things may not look the way you want them to look but it doesn't mean they're not beautiful. It doesn't mean it's not the way it was supposed to go. And we have to watch those high standards we have for ourselves, you know, because I get you're the kind of person when you do something, you want to do it exceptionally well and you go all in. And if you don't get the results that you want, even if you can't control it, if you don't get the results that you want, you blame yourself. I think you didn't do enough. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, the benefit of controlling everything is that it can be my fault because right. I'm controlling it and it still goes back. Right. Right. Added bonus. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. But then you have the guilt and shame. Right. And I bet if we could speak to your father, he'd say, I want you to let that go. You're an yeah. amazing daughter. And I see how much you did for me. And I'm at peace now. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is your time to feel, and this is your time to grieve. It's, it's tempting to want to think and 
obsess and let the mind take over. And that's often a safe place for a lot of us to be, but it's not the most healing place to be right now. Yeah. It does feel scary to let myself feel like I'm going to fall into like a pit of grief and not be able to function in my life and take care of my kids and my business and everything else. Well, you might, we'll say a C because a pit seems very doomsday. We'll say you might fall into a sea or a lake of grief, but you will find your way through. In fact, from personal experience, I have found that the more we don't allow ourselves to fall into that sea, the more we're just treading water for months, weeks, years. And it seems like we're functioning, but we've always got that low level suppression going on. So over time, it does impact us. I'd rather have a temporary time period where I'm not maybe at my optimal because I am feeling my feelings versus a long-term suppression that's going to chip away at me over time and impact my relationship with kids and partner and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's a great book um, that I read after our pregnancy loss I've mentioned it before. It's called The Smell of Rain on Dust. And it just talks about how grief and love go together and we grieve because we love. So that might be, I kind of want to give you some floaties, you know? So as you jump into the CEU and just list, I listened to it on audio. The author reads the book and it helped me, you know, feel into my feelings, but felt like I had a bit of a guide. Yeah. And it really helped me see that grief isn't this bottomless pit that's going to ruin us and we're going to end up depressed and we're never going to get out of it. But it really helped me see that grief is love because you mm. wouldn't be grieving if you didn't love. <laughs> right. And if we don't grieve, we're not really honoring the love. So that might be, especially for the part of you that may like, you know, manuals for things that might be helpful. And give yourself some time and explain to your partner and even your, your children, because mm-hmm. they, you're teaching them healthy ways to grieve too. Yeah. And then it's okay for mommy to be sad. And, you know, it's not, it's such something that's so, and I know, you know, this, I'm just reminding all of us, something that's so important to say to kids when we're feeling is it's not your job to make sure mommy's okay. Right. Mommy is okay. Just because mommy's sad doesn't mean that anything's wrong. Mm. And this is a beautiful opportunity to teach them how to be with their emotions and how to grieve. <laughs> yeah. Because I lost grandpa too. Yeah. I promise you won't fall into a pit. <laughs> well, thanks for the floaties because that, yeah. that feels like it really helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing too is that the, that he mentions in the book is that you know, grief takes a community too. So you let people know that you work with, you let your partner, your kids, your friends know, Hey, I might be a little less on my game right now. Here's why. Mm -hmm. And people get that and have patience for that. And that's another way to have support because you also need support. Right. Yeah. It's a small family. It's just me and my mom and dad. So he's like, Mm -hmm. he was a big part of my support system. Of course. It's a huge loss. Yeah. It's a huge loss. And one that you'll feel for a while. 
but how lucky were you to have a dad that you loved and loved you? Yeah. And with that, there's more grief. You know, I know some people when their parents died, there's a sense of relief because mm. they didn't have that relationship, you know? And it's like, oh, right. this is complete. So in a way, you're blessed that you're feeling grief. <laughs> and maybe, right. maybe some relief too, because he's out of the suffering, but right. more, more you're feeling the loss. And that's, that's a way that you honor the love. Mm. So lean into it, lean into your mom, your extended family, your immediate family, your friends, whoever, and allow yourself to be supported and allow yourself to cry and feel. And every time your mind wants to loop back to you, it should have been different. What can you say to yourself or what can you do that feels supportive? I think I can picture that little girl temper tantrum of Mm -hmm. wanting it to be different. And recognizing that I'm really just sad because I miss my dad. Yeah. And was there a particular song or type of music or, or group that you and your dad connected over? <laughs> um, so I, he would show me. So the, the Michael Jackson video thriller, mm-hmm. when I was little, he showed it to me and I was so scared of that thing. He had to tell me that they took it to my aunt's house, the video of it to my aunt's house in Arizona. <laughs> because I was so terrified of it. So something about that, and like he tried to show it to my oldest child too. And I was like, what were you thinking? <laughs> so something about Michael Jackson's thriller just really makes me think of my dad on like okay. a visceral level. <laughs> okay. I was wondering why that dropped in. So maybe when you get a little bit in that loop or whatever, just play that song because it made you giggle and it brought back some fond memories. And again, here is, I love this example, Sarah, because there you were trying to control your dad again. And he's like, <laughs> nope, I'm playing, I'm playing thriller. I'm going out the way I want to go out. Yeah. So that song is a good reminder that you're honoring his dignity of his choice and his choices in life. And it went exactly the way he wanted it to go. And it was his life. Yeah. And you can play that song and have a giggle and be like, all right, dad, you got the last laugh on this one. Mm. Does this help? It really does. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Honor that grief, grab the audio book and allow yourself to be supported as well. Yeah, I will. And play a lot of Michael Jackson. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Sarah for sharing at such a vulnerable time. I appreciate you bringing this forward. I think a lot of listeners are dealing with the imminent death of a parent or the recent death of a parent and, or really the death of anyone close to us. And so this conversation on grief was a perfect one to have. And I acknowledge you, Sarah, for really being able to move into your feelings in this episode. So the main thing that we uncovered with Sarah was that this pattern of wanting to control was really getting in the way of her emotions and feelings. And we all have our patterns to bypass our feelings. You know, going into our feelings can make us feel really out of control. So how do we feel more in control? We control. And this is a strategy that's very rewarded in our life because when we control things, we're seen as productive, we're seen as efficient, all those kinds of things. But we don't really give ourselves the grace to fall apart sometimes. And often we need to fall apart. 
because it's in the falling apart that we crack our heart open and we can truly grieve and we can truly honor and we can truly feel what we need to feel so that we're not repressing, so that we're not creating dis-ease and disease in our body and our spirit by holding things in. And so the huge lesson for Sarah in this episode is to allow herself to feel, allow herself to grieve, allow herself to let go of the looping thoughts that are keeping her from falling into this pit she speaks of. We reframed it into a sea that she will swim through. She's not going to drown. She's not going to die. And her floaties are things like the book, the, and again, the name of the book is The Smell of Rain on Dust, Grief and Praise by Martin Prichel. And Again, I listened to it on audio and just thought it was very, very helpful. So that's one of her floaties. The other one is to reach out for support, for help, share with people, feel her feelings, bring her children and family into it, teach them about grief. You know, when we have a way to swim through the sea of grief and we have kind of markers, it doesn't feel as daunting. So for any of you that are avoiding some grief right now, you might've had someone that passed years ago, or you might be going through a heartbreak that happened years ago. And you may be listening to this episode and emotion may be coming up. And what that is, is there's an indicator that there's, you know, another level. Now, I mentioned our pregnancy loss on this episode. It's something I haven't talked about a lot, but we had a pregnancy loss before I got pregnant with Athena. And even though Athena is here and she's healthy and I'm so grateful, I still have grief over that first loss. We planted some of the remains and some other offerings in our backyard. We have about five plants in our backyard. And where we planted that, that plant is thriving more than any other plant. And I still look at it. It's outside our bedroom window. I still look at it and have grief sometimes. But to me, that is an expression of love. And that was really honoring that journey, that soul, that pregnancy that didn't make it all the way through. And as humans, we sometimes have this expectation that we're one and done. You know, we grieve things and then we should be done. But as spiritual beings having a human experience, that's not the way it works. So let yourself feel, let yourself grieve. Don't be scared of it. You're not going to fall into a deep pit. And if you feel like you are, get some support. If you feel like you can't do it alone, get some support because grief is an expression of love. All right, everybody, that's our show for the today. Send you so much love and many blessings until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Bye.